Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. What's up and welcome in to Fantasy Baseball Today. On Thursday, May 26th, Frank Sample joined by Chris Towers. Today on the show, we've got rankings, risers, and fallers. We'll do some deep dives on a few players, beat the waiver wire, and much more. But let's jump right in. Oh my good goodness gracious! All right, Chris, kick us off. Oh my goodness gracious! From Wednesday's action. Oh my goodness gracious! Robbie Ray, twenty-four swinging strikes, ten strikeouts, three runs in six innings is not great, but ten strikeouts, one walk, twenty-four swinging strikes. You're happy with that every time out, and the three runs. Well, you'll you'll live with that. And Robbie Ray, I don't know if I'm. A hundred percent to the point where I'm willing to just rank him where I had him coming into the season. In fact, I do not rank him where I had coming into the season because he was like a top 12 starting pitcher and he's still in that 15 range right now. But I feel pretty good about him. You know, I think what we're seeing is a version of Robbie Ray that has to kind of gimmick his way through lineups in a way that he didn't last season. You know, today he threw 55% sliders, 44% fastballs, one changeup. So he's truly a two-pitch pitcher right now, and he's throwing his slider. Basically, since things turned around, he's throwing his slider as his primary pitch over the last four or five starts, and he's getting a ton of whiffs with it. And it's a strategy that we've seen work with people like Patrick Corbin, um, Lance McCullers, not a slider fastball combo guy, but another guy who's had success with just two pitches. The problem is it makes the margin for error a lot slimmer. You know, and, that, and that's true for Robbie Ray, especially because he's always given up a lot of hard contact. That has continued, and so he's you know, basically making a bet that he can get enough swings and misses to you know, avoid walks and avoid at enough home runs to that, so that it doesn't sink him. And that's why I'm not willing to put him in the top 12 starting pitchers, despite, you know, having tons of strikeouts. And did you say he's among the league leaders in swinging strike rate? Was that one of the things that we did on uh, the feud earlier this week? Yeah, I think he was one of either six or seven qualified starting pitchers who had a swinging strike rate over 15%. And so you're going to get a lot of strikeouts. I think you're probably going to get pretty good whip from him at this point. I think the bigger concern is the ERA. I think everything else should be pretty good for Robbie Ray, but there are going to be blow up starts because of home runs, especially. So that's the thing to keep in mind. That's the thing that's going to hold me back from viewing him as, you know, a truly high end starting pitcher. But I think he's stabilized in a way that I don't yet feel for someone like Shane Bieber. So Robbie Ray gave up two more home runs on Wednesday. That brings his season home run per nine to 1.48. Last year, that number was 1.54. So it's actually even down a little bit. The biggest difference I see, Chris, is that the walks have crept back up a little bit here for Robbie Ray. We know Mm -hmm. before last year, before he was with the Blue Jays, uh, his walks were terrible with the Arizona Diamondbacks. Mm -hmm. And they're not terrible this season. They're, They're just up a little bit compared to last year. So... Last season, he had but, 2.4 walks per nine. So far this year, 3.1. Um, I think that sh- has gotten better. Yes. The past few starts. Uh, he's down to nine walks and 30 and a third innings in the month of May. That was 12 and 30 and a third in the month of April. Um, but the bigger thing is nine strikeouts, 42 walks in the month of, of May. Now, that still led to a 534 ERA. 
So, you know, it hasn't all been good. He's given up six home runs in uh, May in five starts. So I, I'm not saying he's entirely past it, but, you know, the, the strikeout rate, the improved control, I, I think Robbie Ray is going to be fine. Yes. Just not an ace. I think the underlying numbers kind of bear that out, too. He's got a 4.75 ERA. Robbie mm-hmm. Ray's XFIP is 3.59. So I don't think anyone was expecting Cy Young, Robbie Ray. Again, I don't think he's going to get back to that level. But mm-hmm. I do think better days are coming for him. The velocity has been up. He's averaged 94-plus on the fastball in three straight starts. and. Yep. Seven, that's where he was last year. 17-plus swinging strikes in four straight. So yep. he's getting a lot of whiffs. Uh, just got to keep those walks down. I think better days are coming for Robbie Ray. I'm I'm pretty excited about what we've seen. I, I've got him back inside my top 15 starting pitchers. In fact, each of us has Robbie Ray inside of our top 15 starting pitchers. Let's talk about Christian Javier, my oh-my-goodness-gracious player from... Wednesday, back-to-back outings with nine strikeouts. This one up against the Cleveland Guardians. Javier goes five and two-thirds shutout, allows three hits, one walk, nine strikeouts, 20 swinging strikes on 96 pitches, 12 of those on the fastball, eight on the slider. He lowers his ERA to 2.48 for the season. And I noticed this just kind of sorting by league leaders earlier in the day. 23.4% K-minus walk rate. For Christian Javier, entering Wednesday, that was t- uh, that was 15th among pitchers with at least 30 innings pitched this season. So that's an awesome number, a great place that you want to be at for Javier. Chris, we're going to talk about rankings movers later later on. I moved Javier way up once I saw that. I'm just kind of sold on what he's done, what he's doing. He's inside my top 60 starting pitchers right now. 69% rostered. Wherever he's available, I would say go. Go out and add Christian Javier. What do you think? Yeah, top 60 is tough. That's a tough group to break into, but I did just drop him right between Josiah Gray and Mackenzie Gore, two other uh, talented young pitchers. So that's like 63. And I, I think that's a good spot. That gets him into the starting territory, but it doesn't, you know, it doesn't put me on the record as saying he's a must start guy or anything like that, because I don't think he will be. But. You know, the key for him so far, he's been able to match the strikeout rate that he had last season up to 31.5%, but he's cut a third off his walk rate. Last season, he had a 12.5% walk rate this year, down to 8.1%. Now it's 37 innings or so, but, you know, that seems to be a key for him. Um, If he can do that, then, uh, you know, I think he can be pretty good because he's He's a guy who's gotten hit pretty hard in his career, um, and that's still been the case this year. Gives up a lot of fly balls, a lot of batted balls in the air. So I think he needs to keep the walk rate at least manageable. But the you know the one thing that that stands out for him, if you're looking you know under the hood, is the fastball whiff rate has been really really good, almost thirty percent for the season. And tonight he had twelve whiffs on 57 pitches, 36 swings, so a 33% whiff rate uh, with that pitch. And, you know, when you can get whiffs with your fastball in a way like that, that's that's always going to be a really nice uh, kind of floor raiser, I guess is the way to put it. That's like Brandon Woodruff. You know, he doesn't really have like the knockout secondaries, but his fastball is one of the better swing and miss pitches. And so, you know, he gets away with, pitching up in the zone, you know, Javier throws a lot up in the zone. He has a lot of spin on his fastball. It's not necessarily the hardest pitch, but it moves. And that is, you know, the, we talk about Hunter green and his hard fastball. That's very straight. Christian Javier has got a fastball that, that has a lot of rise. And so that's how he gets those whiffs. It also makes him prone to giving up the long ball. And so those are going to be the balancing acts for him. But yeah, I think, one, it looks like he's got a spot in the rotation, you know, for good now, or at least for for good now would be the way to put it. I don't know what, what the <laughs> emphasis should be there. But, yeah, he's going to be in the rotation moving forward, 18 strikeouts, two walks over the past two games. There's a lot to like there. All right. Yeah, we got a question from Eric Fox on Twitter, and he asked, can you guys explain on the pod why Javier's low to mid-90s fastball gets so many Ks while other high 90s guys like Lazardo, for example, get relatively few Ks on the fastball. And 
I think for the most part, you answered that, uh, Chris. High spin rate and spin and deception. I think is is what it comes down to. Is yeah, you know, Lizardo doesn't have high spin rates on his fastball. I think he, you know, probably something about the arm slot that he throws from. Um, but there, there are always guys like Freddie Peralta and Joe Ryan whose fastballs don't necessarily have great velocity, but they play up. And Javier's in that group, and it's because he gets a lot of he gets less drop. It ultimately comes down to he gets less drop than batters expect because he has so much backspin on the ball, and so that creates the perception of rise, which which makes it harder to uh, to catch up with. And the last point on Christian Javier, he really is just a two-pitch pitcher with that fastball and the slider, mm-hmm. but I think it's easier to succeed when you can get whiffs on your fastball, Chris, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. right? So Absolutely. a Woodruff or, you know, even guys we've seen in the past, I always re- reference Tyler Glass now because he was really yep. kind of that two-pitch guy, but when your fastball and slider are really that good, then uh, it, it can just, it can work. So I'm very interested in adding Javier. The two names that popped up last night, Chris, in terms of starting pitcher ads were Aaron Ashby and Rowanzi Contreras. How would you rank those two with Javier? So Javier, Contreras, Ashby. I think you can make a case for Javier being ahead of both of them. Javier is RP eligible, right? Yes. Yeah. As so, is Aaron Ashby. Yeah, and Ronzi is not, even though he's mostly appeared as a relief pitcher so far. That's correct. Only SP. Uh, yeah, so that probably makes it a little harder to get Ronzi into every lineup, but I feel like he might have more upside. Um, I don't know. I think I would go Javier, Ronzi, and then Ashby. I think that's the way I would go. Okay. I would go Javier first. I think I would go Ashby over Contreras. I I think that's fair. I think those guys are really close. It is really close between those two. I, I really like the ground ball rate for Ashby. It's just these walks kind of get him in trouble at times. Let's talk about Ashby and a few other waiver wire pitchers who are two-star pitchers or appear to be two-star pitchers right now. So you can beat others to the waiver wire for your two-star pitchers. Aaron Ashby, a solid outing at the Padres. Five and two-thirds innings, one earned run allowed, five strikeouts. Again, three walks in this start. The velocity was actually up for Aaron Ashby in this one. He's got a four-pitch mix. The problem, again, the walks. He's averaging 5.3 per nine for Ashby on the season, but he's got a 2.9 ERA, 66% ground ball rate, and next week he is up against the Padres and at the Cubs. The other names here, Dylan Bundy, sorry, just got to include him. He had a solid start. Five and two-thirds, one run, six strikeouts. He is at the Tigers again next week and at the Blue Jays, who aren't really hitting the ball right now. And Jacob Junis is the other one. He posted his first quality start of the season up against the Mets on Wednesday. Six innings, two runs, four strikeouts. He's 12% rostered at the Phillies and at the Marlins next week. Chris, how do you rank these two starters? Ashby, Bundy, Junis. Uh, In a points league, Ashby having Sparp eligibility would make him number one. I think he's number one anyway. Um, but I'm interested in Junis. Dylan Bundy, I just, nothing. I don't, I'm sorry. Junis, by I, I the way, also has SPARP eligibility, Chris. Okay, I didn't realize that. That's, um, yeah, I, I'm really intrigued by Jacob Junis throwing his slider, you know, f- effectively as his number one pitch. It, it's been by far his best pitch throughout his career. I would have Ashby ranked higher, but Junis is becoming more and more interesting every time out. Yep, he is just throwing his secondary pitches so much. His slider and changeup accounted for 80% of his pitches in his Wednesday start. The ERA is down to 2.76 for Jacob Junis. He's getting a lot of ground balls. I do like him quite a bit myself. I would put Ashby, Ronzi Contreras, Christian Javier all ahead of Junis, but then he's the next one up there for me. Would you be okay dropping Kyle Hendricks? Chris, for any, all of these names that we've been talking about, he's now given up four-plus runs in four of his 10 starts. The ERA climbs to 5.20 for Kyle Hendricks. He's still 77% rostered. The problem is he has two two starts next week as well, up against the Brewers and the Cardinals. I mean, do you really want to use him in a (laughs) two-start week? And if you're not using someone in a two-start week, then they're droppable. I think that's fair. I would... I would drop him for Contreras. I would drop him I'd for dro- yep. 
Ashby. Ashby. I would drop him for Javier. For Javier. Yeah. I, I would probably take I, the shot on Junis over him too, honestly. I, I think that's reasonable, yeah. Some deeper leagues. Two-star pitchers for next week who pitched quite well on Wednesday. Ryan Feltner with the... Colorado Rockies. He's 0% rostered. Two home starts next week against the Marlins and the Braves. And he's actually been pretty good in the minors. 3.68 ERA over a strikeout per inning. Again, the name there is Ryan Feltner. Eric Fetty, he's at the Mets and at the Reds. Uh, He threw six shutout with six strikeouts against the Dodgers. Pretty eye-opening performance. Glenn Otto, he got blown up by the Red Sox earlier in the season. He has allowed two earned runs or fewer in each of his other five starts. 2.87 2.87 ERA in those starts outside of the Red Sox start. He's going up against the Tampa Bay Rays and the Mariners next week. So, Chris, in deeper leagues, any interest here? Ryan Feltner, Eric Fetty, Glenn Otto. Yeah, I mean, Feltner seems to be throwing hard. I, I can't say I, I've seen him pitch much or uh, you know have much opinion on him coming in, but seems to be throwing harder than he was um, as a prospect and when he made his debut last season. Hit, you know, average 95 with the fastball today. I'm not sure. Like, the slider was fine for whiffs on 27 pitches, but that seems like the the pitch that I would need to see something from. And, you know, though he was pretty good in this outing, it's the Pirates, so pretty good only gets you so far. So I would... um I'm not super enthused about him, especially with two home starts next week. So I think you can ignore Feltner outside of deeper NL only leagues. And I, I, I don't know. I haven't had the Glenn Otto thing. Maybe I just haven't been any on any of the podcasts where you guys have extolled the virtues of Glenn Otto. But uh, <laughs> I, I don't see much there. So I'm, I'm okay ignoring him and and Fetty kind of same. All right, Glenn Otto, former. Yankee farmhand Glenn Otto, by the way. one Well, that explains it. <laughs> 1-800-GLEN-OTTO. Let's take a peek under the hood at these four players here. See what is going on. Chris, we had to talk about Byron Buxton the day that you are on the podcast. He has come yeah. crashing down to earth. I didn't realize how bad it's really been. I know he's been in and out of the lineup. They're trying to keep him healthy. He's got some stuff going on right now. But the batting average is now down to 202 for Buxton. I just don't think he's healthy, Chris. I mean, 19 games before injury, he was batting 278, nine homers, one steal, an OPS over 1,000. 10 games after getting hurt, entering Wednesday, a .81 batting average, two homers, a 448 OPS. Is there anything in the numbers, Chris, or do you just think it's injury-related? I think it might be injury related. You know, I, the, I don't know. It's funny. He was striking out way too much to sustain his early start. And then he's cut his strikeout rate significantly, like in half over the last, the last 10 games. And he's been awful. It's worth noting his, his Babbitt for the season is 174. But yeah, like the fact that this coincides with an injury means that you can't just ignore it, uh, especially with a player with Byron Buxton past. And, you know, the, the fact that trying to play through an injury, could potentially have the dual effect of making him a worse player when he's healthy and obviously increasing his injury risk moving forward. So that's, you you can't ignore that concern, but I also don't think that there's much room to sell Byron Buxton because everybody in your league knows about the injuries in his past and everybody knows about the injury right now. So are you really going to get anything like full value for him? I think you just kind of have to hang on and, and hope that he, He's fine. You mentioned the BABIP, how low it is for Buxton. His fly ball rate is up crazy this year. So that is definitely something that would coincide with a lower BABIP. And especially, you know, if he's playing through something right now, hitting the ball in the air, probably not with as much authority as he was before, that's going to lead to just a lot of... And not running as fast. Yeah, yeah, those those would be reasons that a, a BABIP could collapse. It's worth pointing out as well his expected batting average is 265 so you know the quality of contact doesn't seem like such an issue at least when you look at it from that perspective so yeah i don't know it's hard to say right now it's just frustrating chris and look i can't blame anyone who has bucks in or has had him for multiple years in a row it just seems like 
unfortunately, I don't want to just label him this way, but it, it just seems like it happens all the time. And he's super talented. There's no doubt about it, but it's like one thing after another. And I get it. I get why anyone who has Buxton would, you know, kind of just be frustrated and, and fed up with it. But there is nothing you could do. Like, maybe if you can get 80 cents on the dollar, you can try, but I don't think right, it's going like to happen. You, so. you could try to trade him, but what are you going to realistically get that would make it worth it? That That's the question. Unless you just, like, I I don't think that Byron Buxton's just not going to be good this year, the rest yes. of the season, but it's a possibility. You know, that, that's obviously within the realm of possibility. So it's it's an outcome you have to take into account. Would you flip him for Christian Yelich right now if you could? One for one. I'd rather have Buxton. Yeah, I still have Buxton ranked higher, but I think it's a close call. I think that that is the 80 cents on the dollar if that's what you're looking for. Sure, yeah. A Christian Yelich type player. So or, I imagine that's what my trade chart would show as well. Or even a Cattell Marte, right? I mean, you're still kind of buying low on Marte and... That, yeah, that's probably 80 cents on the dollar right there. So Marte would be more interesting to me. All right. And no surprise there, Chris, because obviously you loved Cattell Marte coming into the season as well. Let's talk about Uncle Charlie. Once again, after three collectively solid starts, Charlie Morton throws another clunker. And I apologize, Chris. This is this is getting really weird here because it's your fault. You watched him. I, I didn't. You I didn't know. mean to, though. I you didn't know mean the rule. To. I didn't mean to do it. So here's my setup. Main computer right here. If you're watching me on YouTube, I'm making the rundown here. I got my quad box on the other laptop where I'm watching four games at once. There were just four games on at that time. Mm. So I just threw it on and I didn't even realize. I'm like, oh crap, Charlie Morton is pitching in the start. Let me just shut it off. But I didn't realize for about five to ten minutes. Uh, so that might have been enough to curse Charlie Morton once again. It's your fault. I, I yeah. think we can all agree. I think so. That we need you to let people know. Actually, here's what we'll do. We'll sign you up for a VPN. We'll get you a an Atlanta <laughs> area IP address. That way you can't watch Braves games. You'll be blacked out. Uh, which, I mean, that's a conversation for another day, but baseball, you want to grow the sport? <laughs> that's probably not the way to do it. Anyway, no, no, Charlie Morton in this not. one, he gives up four runs over four and a third on nine hits, one walk. Did not have his fastball or sinker, Chris. That's what stood out to me here. 11% CSW. That's called strikes plus whiffs on the fastball. 20% on the sinker. League average, 28, 29%. So he's well yeah. below that in this start. And he just kind of got babbipped in this one. 500 babbip against in this start. Uh, the lack of ground balls this season is kind of concerning for me. Just 35%. Charlie Morton has been 47% or higher in each of his past four full seasons. So the ground balls being down, the swinging strike rate was 9% entering the start. The ERA is over five. Another one, Chris, where I, I get it. I get if people are frustrated with him. Yeah. I am frustrated. I ha I He is the single player that I have the most exposure to this season. And yeah. it's frustrating. But he's got two starts next week. He's at the Diamondbacks and at Coors Field. What do you do? Um, the course field part makes it tough. I think in a points league, you just start him. Uh, in a roto league, I you know I could see being uh, uh, afraid because he's by no means a sure thing to dominate Arizona based on how he's pitching right now. And if he's not a sure thing to dominate Arizona, then there's always the risk of course field. Um, and he did get a little bit of bad luck today. He had three singles allowed that were that had an expected batting average below 250. Um, so you know that that's there's some bad luck there, but that's also like it doesn't seem like it was an excessively bad luck. It seemed like he just didn't pitch well today, and it just seems like there's an awful lot of that going on. The problem and the thing that makes him tough to analyze and really tough to make any kind of decision on is at what point does the pitching poorly stop? If that's the issue, you know, it doesn't seem like it's a physical issue. It doesn't seem like he's like his velocity's there. His spin rates are there. He's throwing the pitches, you know, the pitches roughly look the way they're supposed to. He's just not throwing them well in the right sequence or in the right spots. And maybe he just doesn't do that all year. Maybe there's just something broken about him, but my, my assumption is that he will figure it out, and it seemed like he had. So I'm I'm not going to really move Charlie Morton down here. And speaking of moving him down, I have him, 
I think SP twenty three in the rankings, mm-hmm. and that area, Chris, for me is so tough to rank right now. It's, yeah. Once we get past, so my twenty to twenty two is Dylan Cease, Pablo Lopez, Frankie Montas. I feel very good about that group. Then mm-hmm. my twenty three. Really, 23 through 36. I'm not going to read all of them off, but it's Charlie Morton, Hugh Darvish, Logan Webb, mm-hmm. Framber Valdez, and then you have the breakouts in Lauer and Kyle Wright. It's, you know, do I want to move these breakouts who have only really done it for the first month. two months of this season yeah. ahead of proven commodities like like a Charlie Morton or a Hugh Darvish, even though their numbers are kind of weird right now and they haven't really pitched at their best so that's kind of what I'm wrestling with in the rankings, and admittedly, that area is just weird for me. So it's like high-end SP3s, yep. kind of hard to figure out right now. So Yeah, no, I agree. I think that's uh, an especially tough part of the ranking, and, and I, I think I could probably go a little deeper just because you got... Because then you've also got to account for guys who are dealing with injuries right now, like Clayton yeah. Kershaw, and yeah. uh, you know guys who are coming back from injuries, like Chris Sale. Yeah, so um, I have Scherzer at SP24, and then in a row I have DeGrom 37, Lynn 38, Kershaw 39. Yeah, I've got Scherzer and DeGrom much lower, but that could be, you know, me overreacting. But, yeah, like, because Tyler McGill, Jesus, Jesus Lizardo, um, Mike Clevenger, it's, it's a, uh, yeah, there are, luckily there are no shortage of, of good pitchers right now. Uh, most teams should have enough, although there's going to be a worse team in every league in pitching. So, you know, it's all relative as well, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's, um, it's definitely a tough range. And I would say my, my gut feeling is to just stick with the way things are, you know, give guys extra credit for the benefit of the doubt of having a longer track record and those things. But, you know, that track record, that benefit of that runs out at some point. Yeah, and, and, and I think um, this is really that time, right? Scott always says Memorial Day. That's that's kind yeah. of how how long he gives a player. And so we'll have some conversations over the next week and see what we do with these. Uh, Chris, originally I put Nick Castellanos on this rundown, mm-hmm. and I, I wrote Castellanos just kind of stinks right now. <laughs> um, but I took him off for another player. People have been asking about, and I haven't realized how bad he really is, Teoscar Hernandez yeah. is batting 152 with a 465 OPS. The Blue Jays did not play on Wednesday. Maybe it's for the best because this guy is absolutely lost right now. So I guess let's try and figure this out on the fly because I haven't really looked into his numbers until now. The thing that stands out most, strikeouts are up a little bit, 60% ground ball rate. Where did that come from? I mean... That's 39% for Teoscar Hernandez's career. So strikeouts being up a little bit, hitting that many ground balls, infield fly ball rate is up. I mean, all of these things kind of converging together, Chris, are just going to lead to a crater of batting average, and that's kind of where we're at. Yeah, I mean, if you want a really simple explanation for why a guy's struggling and you can find something like career-high ground ball rate, career-high pop-up rate, career-low line drive rate, that's going to explain it. You know, he's just not hitting the ball well. There's actually, like... His average exit velocity is still pretty high. Yeah, he's hitting the ball hard. Yeah. He's just... He's mishitting it too much. And I I think that's probably a reason to buy. Because, you know, he did miss some time with an injury. And you you could say maybe it's, you know, some kind of physical issue stemming from that. But the fact that he's still rating out well in terms of sprint speed and he's still hitting the ball hard and his max exit velo is, is still solid and his average exit velo and hard hit rate you know are mostly where you would want them to be i think that's one where you could probably mark it up to just he's not whatever the term you want to use locked in or he doesn't have his timing yet or or something like that but i i would think that he's going to figure that out um, and I'm willing to give Teoscar Hernandez the benefit of the doubt there just because quality of contact has never been the issue for him. You know, he, he's got a 361 expected Woba on contact. Even in small sample sizes before his breakout, he'd never been below 428 uh, with the exception of 2016, his rookie season. So I, I'm willing to give Teoscar Hernandez the benefit of the doubt. I have, 
you know, moved him down a little bit at outfield, but he's still top 15 for me. So I'm not freaking out. There are some warning signs here, though, that I'm finding. He's hitting 205 against fastballs this season. For his career, he usually crushes fastballs. Yeah. You could look at that glass half full and say he's going to get better. But he's also chasing pitches more, too. So his O-swing mm-hmm. percentage is 41% this year, and that's 32% for Teoscar Hernandez's career. So, you know, might be frustrated and trying to make things happen and chase pitches and swinging and missing a little bit more. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're kind of, you know, we're painting the optimistic view on Teoscar Hernandez, but you can easily look at these things in, in a negative light as well. So my overall take is buy low, keyword low, on Teoscar Hernandez if you can, but if people are still valuing him like a third or fourth round pick, I, I probably would not pay that and price for him. I, to be clear, if I have him, I wouldn't give up less than a third or fourth round value. I, I would still value him that way. Yeah, uh, I think that makes sense. Let's talk about the pitcher on the other side of Charlie Morton in that start. Ranger Suarez just kind of continues this subpar season. He gives up five runs on six hits, four walks in this one, over four and a third innings pitched. And the ERA is now up to 4.74. When looking into his starts individually, Chris, I, I've noticed it's very rare that he has the sinker and changeup working together. It's usually one of those pitches is on and the other one is not. So, for example, tonight... CSW on the sinker, 15% on the changeup. And there's been other starts where it's kind of reversed for him. But when everything's working, I think we saw down the stretch last year, Ranger Suarez can get hot. But right now, that isn't the case. And unlike a Charlie Morton, he doesn't really have that track record. So what are we doing with Ranger Suarez? Uh, Probably not just outright dropping him. But I think it's fair to be pretty discouraged and... Like, I think I'd rather have Christian Javier for the rest of the season. That's so um, close, too. I, I have... Well, actually, no, I've moved Javier ahead of Suarez, yeah. So let's Yeah, do I it. think I just moved Javier ahead of him. And yeah, I just think, like, I don't know, Ranger Suarez seemed like kind of a gimmick, but the underlying numbers surrounding the gimmick were relatively strong last year. But a lot of it relied on really, really exceptional quality of contact suppression. And that is the kind of thing that it takes a really long time to know if that's actually a skill a pitcher has. I mean, you're not just talking about a full season. You're probably talking about two full seasons before you can really know how much of a qual- of a pitcher's quality of contact allowed is the result of a skill. And right now, his quality of contact allowed is really bad after being really good last year. And so... You know, you give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt that he can improve it, but it's also worth being skeptical and, and worth maybe saying that it was just a fluke to start last season. So, yeah, I if I had to drop someone to add Christian Javier and Ranger Suarez was my worst pitcher, I'd do it. Would you do it for Ashby and Contreras? I kind of feel like Ashby... That would be tougher. I think Ashby is a very similar pitcher to him, but comes with more prospect pedigree, and he mm-hmm. just plays for a better team. So I think I would do that. Yeah, I think that's reasonable. I I can't say I definitely would, but in a shallow enough league especially, I I think that's fine. Okay. Ranger Suarez has two starts next week as well. He's at home against the Giants and the Angels. Both teams rank top 12 in weighted on base average against left-handed pitching. So outside of a points league, I think I would be looking to sit Ranger Suarez next week. Let's take a break, but first... Just a reminder to sign up for our FBT newsletter. It's free. Why wouldn't you sign up for it? It's done by our good buddy Dan Schneier, and he does a great job with it. Just head over to cbssports.com slash newsletters. Click on that FBT logo, punch in your email, and voila, that is it. Also, if you play fantasy football, support Chris and sign up for the FFT newsletter as well. That's done at the same link, cbssports.com slash newsletters. Let's take a break, and we'll return right after this. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The news and notes. Ronald Acuna was scratched Wednesday due to right quad tightness. And Chris, I just wonder a little bit if maybe he's compensating for the knee. And that's why we see these little things popping up. The groin, the quad. It's a conspiracy theory. People yelled at me yesterday for my conspiracy theory that juice balls were back. But whatever. It's another conspiracy theory. What do you think? Um, I don't know about the juice ball conspiracy. Conspiracy theories generally require a level of competence that I just don't believe MLB is capable of achieving. I think, you know, there, there's the old uh, truism, like never, subs- never ascribe to malice what can be explained with incompetence. And I feel like that's a better explanation for Major League Baseball, like just anything, really. But yeah, I don't think it's unreasonable to think that Ronald Acuna might be might be having to compensate in some ways for, you know, potentially not being a hundred percent. Or I don't even know if not being a hundred percent is the right way to put it. But just you know, coming back from the injury and the the extra rehab work he had to put in with the knee, maybe that led to I don't know. Like I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but it it seems plausible to me. A dumb person. But I don't know, you know, like that that's the kind of also thing where like I, I don't think you should be trading Ronald Acuna because it's also possible that the he just gets past this little bit of hiccups and is fine. And you know, certainly seems to be feeling fine enough when he's playing to be, you know, sixth in the majors and steals or whatever it is. So I can't say I'm too worried about this. Yeah, it, I mean, there's not really anything to do about it. I, I still think he's, you know, a, a top three outfielder, regardless of format. Yep. Chris, you started that whole analysis talking about incompetence, and in my mind, I was just like, well, this is it. Chris finally is going to come out here and rip me for being incompetent. I was like, that, that's exactly the route you're going down. Is- it is, uh, it's Hanlon's Razor, <laughs> by the way, likely named after Robert J. Hanlon. Quote, never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained by stupidity. I hear the word malice. I, I instantly just think of malice in the pals, so Yeah, it was a good it was a good, clever naming association for that. Sure. Chris Bryant was once again placed on the IL with a lower back strain retroactive to Monday. Unfortunate. I have a bad feeling about it. I'm rooting for the best. I hope you can come back soon, Chris Bryant. John Carlos Stanton was placed on the IL with ankle inflammation. Chris, any interest in Miguel Andujar in deeper leagues? He went two for three with an RBI on Wednesday. Yeah, I was actually thinking about him the other day randomly when I was like, I think it was just when I was driving from New York to Pittsburgh. (laughs) And I just randomly thought about Miguel Andujar. And uh, what a weird career, right? And just how weird it is that someone like I didn't believe his rookie of the year campaign was, you know, legitimate, but I didn't think he was going to wash out entirely. So I I think there's still probably some talent there, but I can't say that I'm looking to add him even in my 15-team leagues yet. Uh, I don't know. Five outfielder leagues that deep? Uh, I'm a little interested. It depends how long Stanton's going to be out. but It would be know. one thing if like he was dominating at AAA. Yeah. But like he was making contact, but wasn't really doing much. Um, yeah. So that's... that's yeah, that's why I can't really get excited about it yet. But right. we'll keep an eye on it. That's fair. Let's take a look at Joey Gallo. He was activated from the COVID IL, batting sixth on Wednesday. Taylor Ward has now missed four straight games. He's yet to be cleared to throw or play the field, dealing with that shoulder injury. Lance Lynn said he'll begin a rehab assignment this weekend and will make three starts before joining the White Sox. That sounds like a mid to late June return for me. So... That's nice. Welcome sight for Lance Lynn. Jack Flaherty will face live hitters on Thursday. He remains without a timetable for now, dealing with that, I think it was a elbow, right, Chris? No, his was the shoulder thing in the offseason, oh, and then right. um, I think it was a lat or something like that. Yeah. Probably should have looked it up. Bad job. I um, but yeah, I, I will say Flaherty, Lynn, uh, I'm going to go ahead and say June 10th or 11th. That's the, that's the date I'm planning. Uh, as for Flaherty, I would guess his timetable sounds like it's somewhat similar to Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom. Like probably 
all-star break at the earliest. Yeah, that makes sense. DeGrom- but it could be a little earlier just because, like, let's say he gets through this and in two weeks is cleared to go on a rehab assignment. And, you know, he could be, like, five weeks away, I guess. Mm-hmm. Everything I'm reading is it was just a shoulder for uh, Jack Flaherty, which... Obviously, you know, it's pretty serious. Wilson Contreras yeah. has missed four straight games, while Jazz Chisholm has missed two in a row. Both are dealing with hamstring injuries. Joe Ryan was placed on the COVID IL. Devin Smeltzer will start in his place on Thursday. Anthony Bender was placed on the IL with a back injury retroactive to May 23rd. Chris, I know you said recently that there is no closure for the Marlins, but if you had to add somebody, Anthony Baz, Cole Sulcer... Dylan Floro, do you have a lean? My assumption in the long run is that it'll be Dylan Floro if he can get right, but I would bet I would bet on Anthony Bass getting the next one. They acquired him initially to be a closer before last season, or at least that was the thought. Um, was it before last season or was it the season before? Whenever, whenever they acquired him, it was with the expectation that he would be their closer. Obviously, that didn't work out. And but I think he he's been good this season, so I think he's most likely to get the next one. Jeff McNeil was removed due to a left knee contusion. Andrew Heaney plans to throw three simulated innings during a bullpen session on Thursday. He is on the IL with left shoulder discomfort. Ramon Laureano will undergo a CT scan on his sore right hand Thursday. Aaron Savali was placed on the IL with left glute soreness. Connor Pilkington will start Thursday against the Tigers. Jan Gomes was placed on the IL with a left oblique strain, and Jonathan Loisigo was placed on the IL with right shoulder discomfort. Let's talk rankings movers, and we'll start with the risers for Chris, which include Adley Rutschman, Joey Votto, Julio Rodriguez, Brian Hayes, Mookie Betts, and Alec Thomas. Let's start with the hitters, then we'll talk pitchers. Rutschman, Votto, J-Rod, Hayes, Betts, Thomas. What do you got, Chris? Yeah, we talked about Rutschman already this week. I moved him up to seventh at catcher. Um, not sure how much more I could move him up quickly, but it probably wouldn't take too much. Um, Votto, we're seeing some signs since his return. I have to believe he'll be fine, so he's back to being a top 10 first baseman for me. Also, kind of, you can see how little faith I have in some of the other guys in that range, personally. Let's see. Julio Rodriguez is a top 21 outfielder in points leagues for me and top 19 in Roto. And honestly, it wouldn't take much to move him ahead of Christian Yelich and into the mid-teens range with Whit Merrifield and Cattell Marte. He is running a ton He's starting to show some power. He's getting on base. There's just... Julio Rodriguez looks like a star. Yeah, he really does. Uh, I know Scott's working on his redrafting the first two rounds for fantasy baseball, and I asked him yesterday, did you consider Julio Rodriguez at all? (laughs) Scott looked at me like I was crazy. I don't think it's that. Like, look, he's not a top twenty-four player yet. I understand that. No, but based on his pacing out and what he's done in May, if the guy hits, let's say, fifteen to twenty home runs a season and steals thirty bases and hits two eighty, that's Starling Marte. Like, that's you know, and that I mean the the home runs like twenty forty is well within the realm of possibility. I mean, there's yeah. no question he's got the skills for it. And so it's mostly just a question of, is he ready to put those, to continue to put those skills into action consistently? And, you know, he had another steal today. He's on damn near a 50 steal pace at this point. Um, So yeah, he could just be, you know, the, the version of, uh, Adalberto Mondesi that we wanted to see. He could be the guy who wins you steals this year. So, um, yeah, I, I just, I think the sky's the limit. Um, Cabrian Hayes, you know, we often react to guys playing well in moving them up. Cabrian Hayes is me being proactive about a guy who I've talked about a lot lately. I think is about to break out and, um, you know, he's been good enough 
but I think he's going to be very good moving forward. I'm very excited about what we're seeing with Brian Hayes, and third base is weak enough that he's number 11 for me. Wow, Chris. I mean, you've been in Pittsburgh for what, a week? And I know. Brian Hayes it's, already? It's... <laughs> The the yins get in your blood real quick, and uh, it's, it's something in the water and the crick, you know. The pitchers that are on the rise for you, you wrote Shane O'Dollars. Yep. That's Shane McClanahan, for those out there who don't That's know. That's his name, right? Yes, yes. Uh, he has been money, nothing short of that, and you moved him up to SP19. I also moved him up, Chris. SP, I would hope higher. SP12. Shane O'Mac. I mean, look, I like <laughs> if you're asking me who I think is going to have a better start the next time out, Shane McClanahan or pick any of the pitchers ahead of him up to number 10, I would expect Shane McClanahan's next start to be better than Julio Arias's or Aaron Nola or Lucas Giolito. So I, I'm not moving him up that high, but I mean, 18, 19 is pretty dang high so, <laughs> yes yeah. it is uh Tarek Skubal I noticed you also moved up to 39th in your pitcher rankings so top 40 now I've got him at 43 I, I just slowly creeping him up a little bit more a little bit more he ranks very highly on a lot of the things you want to see K minus walk rate yep. uh, the underlying metrics Sierra XFIP Skubal looks great in all those right now so I agree with that move and it's the the hard thing is he is still giving up a lot of loud contact. The expected Woba on contact is down to 351, which is very, very good after it was really, really bad, 455 last year. So that's a little confusing because he, he's gone from the, the two extremes in terms of his bat ball contact or quality of contact. And so I think you probably just look at him and say, okay, he's probably run of the mill in that regard. But if he's going to be a well above average strikeout pitcher with no walks, then pretty run-of-the-mill in terms of quality of contact. It's going to be a pretty good pitcher. All right. Some risers for me in the rankings. Dansby Swanson is having an awesome May. Sure, yeah. He went four for five with his sixth home run on Wednesday. He's batting 316 with five homers, four steals, a 912 OPS this month. And he month. was up to second in the lineup today. Yeah. Um, I don't know how, how long that's been going on, but you know that's always been one of the concerns with Swanson. It's like you don't know exactly where he's going to hit in the lineup. Or how valuable that's going to be, you know. If if he can find a way to be up there when Acuna is healthy, that that makes him a lot more interesting too. Randy Rosarena is someone who I've moved back up. He's having a very big May as well. Brandon Nimmo has just been undervalued all season, especially in points leagues. He's been great. Shane McClanahan, I spoke about him. Sonny Gray has been really good since returning from the IL. I moved him inside of my top fifty starting pitchers. Might be aggressive, but. We've seen big upside from Sonny Gray in the past. Uh, Tony Gonsolin and Miles Michaelis both climb inside my top 60 starting pitchers. They've looked great so far this season as well. Fallers for Chris in the ranks. Walker Bueller, Teoscar Hernandez, Logan Webb, Trevor Rogers. Three pitchers that stand out there, Chris. Big names. Bueller, Webb, Rogers. And it's not that I don't like any of them or that I think they're going to be bad moving forward. It's always worth keeping that context in mind, but... Bueller especially, it's just been kind of weird. Like, he's still got a 290 ERA. He's still outperforming his peripherals because that's what he does. But, man, it's really hard to be a high-end pitcher with a 19% strikeout rate. And I think the, sl- the swinging strike rate suggests that he'll be better than that moving forward. But, I don't know, It's just it's been a weird enough start that I'm, I'm at least comfortable getting... Zach Wheeler and Kevin Gosman ahead of him. Those were the two. Uh, Justin Verlander, Zach Wheeler, and Kevin Gosman all jumped him. So that's um, you know a little bit of a drop for Walker Bueller. Just a little bit of a lo- loss of confidence. All right, some fallers for me. Fran Mil Reyes. Probably got to talk about him eventually too because he yeah. is just striking out at an absurd rate. And I moved him outside of my top 50 outfielders. Some names I moved ahead of him. Ian Happ, Max Kepler, Josh Naylor, Alec Thomas, all names that could be available in your league. So if you play in a points league specifically, I would be okay making that swap with friend Mo Reyes. Steven Kwan, I have dropped quite a bit as well. It's just a free fall. He was batting eighth in the lineup on Wednesday yep. and just not 
much going right for Stephen Kwan right now. Chris Bassett has gotten rocked his past couple of starts. Didn't drop him tremendously, but moved him outside of my top 30. Ranger Suarez, we talked about. Alex Wood, someone that I was excited about coming into the season. Really all Giants pitchers. He's now outside the top 70. He's not looking Turns great. out we we just were overlooking Jacob Junis. <laughs> that, that was the one that we needed there. Uh, I would drop Alex Wood for... Christian Javier, yep. Aaron Ashby, uh, if yep. those guys are available. One other one I wanted to mention, Scott moved Julio Reyes down quite a bit to SP22 in his rankings, Chris, and just wanted to get your thoughts on that. It's It was an okay start for Arias on, um, on Wednesday, a quality start, six innings, one run, three strikeouts to three walks. I know that whiffs and swinging strikes are not a big part of his game, but he has had double-digit swinging strikes in just one of nine starts this season. That seems quite bad. I'll point out the vo- the fastball velocity was up in this start, so so that's some good news for him. But I don't know how long Arias will maintain a 2.49 ERA. The underlying numbers are much, much higher. Except for expected ERA. That is true. Which continues to love him. He's been a wizard in terms of inducing soft contact throughout his career. He's been in the the top 10% of the league every single season in the last four. So basically his full time as a starter Uh, in terms of hard hit rate allowed. He's consistently one of the best and expected Woban contact. Um, So like Walker Bueller, there's still like he's probably still going to be pretty good at run prevention. It's just you're not going to get the strikeouts if he can't figure this out. And, you know, I guess the fastball being down plays a part, but I don't know if it explains everything. You know, both him and Bueller, it's weird losing the the amount of strikeouts that they've got. They have both of them are like Kyle Hendricks right now with the (laughs) strikeouts and walks, the good version of Kyle Hendricks. Um, Julio Arias, Chris, has 34 strikeouts. That is less than half Shane McClanahan and Dylan Cease. Yeah, he might just be Kyle Hendricks. But (laughs) I also feel like Arias has earned the benefit of the doubt to a certain extent. I think the strikeout rate will be healthier moving forward. And I just think that that quality of contact suppression makes it so there's only so far he can ever fall. Yeah. I could see dropping him more. I haven't really made a move with him one way or the other. He still sits at 11th. And that's kind of a weird range because it's got him and Aaron Nola and Lucas Giolito, all of whom have just been kind of like not bad, but not great. Um, so I don't know. I could I could see myself moving him, but I'm not there yet. All right, that is Julio Arias. Let's take a look at some waiver wire hitters, and we'll start with some outfielders here, Chris. Jock Peterson hit another home run, his 11th, four homers over his last two games. He's 52% rostered, seven games next week with six righties on the schedule. Cole Calhoun, another one who is red hot right now, three for four on Wednesday with a sock and a shoe. You don't expect much running from Cole Calhoun, but gets it done here. Now up to seven home runs. And one steal uh, in the month of May. He's hit. He's hitting 328, and all seven of his home runs have come this month. Chris, do you have any interest in either outfielder, Jock Peterson or Cole Calhoun? You know, I I, um, I play this video game Civilization uh, with my friends. It's 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 like um, it's like Risk, that kind of game, but it's a computer game. And um, my friend was asking me, should I pick up Cole Calhoun? We were playing on Saturday or Sunday. Sunday, I think. And I was like. Cole Calhoun's not going to keep homering every day. (laughs) Uh, And turns out he might just keep homering every day. I don't know. Um, I would bet that he's not going to keep homering every day, however. And since that's pretty much all he does, I don't have a ton of interest. Um, I also can never get the K and the C in the right order. I always do Cole, like Garrett Cole first and so um you know just that's there i'll point out with cole calhoun in an era right now i mean so far this year where power and hard hit rates are down across the board he's got a 91.2 
mile per hour average exit velocity. That's a career high. 14% mm-hmm. barrel rate. That's a career high. 48.8% hard hit rate, according to StatCast. That's a career high. So we're looking for power. I don't think he's going to homer every day, but those are pretty encouraging signs. So I think in five outfielder leagues, if, if you need some pop, I like it, man. I, I like Cole Calhoun more than Jock Peterson. I, I just don't trust that Jock is going to play as enough. Yeah, I, I think that's fine. I, I think they're probably mostly the same guy. I probably actually do trust Peterson more. Um, so it's more a question of, is he going to play every single day? I, I would rather have Peterson than Calhoun personally. All right. You weren't here yesterday, Chris, but it turns out Scott loves William Contreras, who went one for two on Wednesday, hit his seventh home run. He added two walks. He has started four of the last five games for the Braves, 31% rostered, seven games next week. And if you needed more reason to add him, four of those are in Coors Field. So in every two-catcher league, for sure, William Contreras needs to be rostered. And then in one-catcher leagues... If you're struggling and you want to stream a guy with four games and cores, yeah, why not? Right, like this This is the thing. It's like you don't want to overreact and move William Contreras up too much because it's also like, yeah, he's not going to homer every day too. Uh, but he's playing pretty much every day for the Braves now. They're, they're getting him in the lineup one way or the other. And like, I don't know, are you really going to regret sitting Kabert Ruiz? For William Contreras, like that's not a knock Hold on, on Cabert Ruiz. Cabert Ruiz that's is having not, a pretty uh, good May, Chris. That's not a knock on him, but William Contreras is having a much better May, True. and he gets four games of course field. And so, like, yeah, I think like Sean Murphy and Max Stassi and Gary, like, I I think it'd be fine to start him over those guys next week. Travis Darno has slowed down. I, I might yeah. even do that on the same team. I, they are finding ways to get Contreras in the lineup. He's DHing. Mm-hmm. They're playing him in the outfield. That yep. that team like, needs I, a spark on offense right now. And Dansby Swanson and William Contreras are the only ones providing it. I don't think it's real. Like I, I want to be clear that I'm not like saying William Contreras is this difference maker all of a sudden. You know, he's <laughs> got pretty middling minor league numbers. He wasn't exactly tearing the cover off the ball in AAA this season anyway. But the joke has always been if you've got a pulse and you're a- eligible at catcher, like you're probably going to rank close to the top 24, and he's got more than a pulse. So I think, um, yeah, William Contreras, just there's no reason not to add him. Kind of caught probably me off- got a bad catcher. Kind of caught me off guard. Yesterday, when I saw Scott moved him up to 15th in his catcher rankings, I look right now that has now moved to 11th. <laughs> so, but like, because like, the, <laughs> I I've get, got Sean Murphy 13th at catcher. Yeah, no, I get it. And he had like four good games at the start of the season and hasn't done anything since. I would still take MJ Melendez for the record. Yeah, prospect sure. pedigree. Yeah, I have MJ Melendez good. ranked ahead of him as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, a few other names here, Chris. If you need a corner infielder. Evan Longoria had a double dong on Wednesday, and Brian Anderson has looked pretty good. He's He went two for two with two walks, two runs scored, and he has seven games next week with three in Coors Field as well. Uh, who do you like more as a corner, Longoria or Brian Anderson? Uh, I think Longoria is a better hitter, but Anderson's probably the better pickup right now. Neither is likely to be a long-term option, although... I did think it was weird that the Marlins just kind of like entered this season with Brian Anderson as a complete afterthought when he'd been like arguably their best player for the last four years. So I'm I'm not surprised he's having a bounce back season. In deeper leagues, pay attention to Edwin Rios. He has started four straight for the Dodgers. He's got some pop, obviously a fantastic lineup. Harold Castro went three for four with a double dong. Crushed Har- one of them, hit it like 440 feet or something. Harold Ramirez, back-to-back days with a home run. Favorite of Chris Towers, Harold Ramirez, batting 287. He's got a 10% strikeout rate and has started 10 of the last 11 games. So, in the deepest of leagues, Jack Sawinski, kind of, you know, tongue in cheek, passed a comment about him the other day. He had a sock and a shoe on Wednesday, so I'm happy for him. He hit his fifth home run and his first steal of the season. Rockies catcher Brian Servin went two for four with an RBI. Just, again, another name to pay attention to in deeper leagues. Let's wrap up with some leftovers here, Chris, and we'll start with the pitchers. You, Darvish. Did you hear that? You! Ah. Uh, uh. Soldier boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
I've I've got love something it. in the works here. I, I'm gonna I come up it. with some kind of segment with uh, involving this. I, I don't know yet what I'm gonna do, but it makes me so happy. It's uh, it's in the works. Though. I don't know what it was on Sunday. Maybe it was just the the end of a long day, but I that just broke me. <laughs> that, that was great. Um, you Darvish, by the way, let's uh, we'll, I'll just yeah. throw a bunch of these pitchers your way, Chris. Darvish posted his seventh quality start in nine tries this season. Luis Castillo with an encouraging outing, five innings, two runs, six strikeouts. The velocity was up for him. Lucas Giolito allowed just one hit against the Red Sox. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts to four walks. And Paul Blackburn kind of doesn't belong in this group. But he's been really good this year. 5.1 shutout innings, only two strikeouts, five walks. So weird start, but 1.70 ERA for Paul Blackburn this season. Anything you'd like to add there, Chris? Giolito, Blackburn, Castillo, you, Darvish. Yeah, Darvish went cutter heavy in this one, 46% usage, got five whiffs with it. Um, that's been a key for him over the past couple of seasons and it hadn't been super effective this season. So it's a, a good sign that it was, you know, a, a little more effective for him in this one. Um, and that'll be a key moving forward. Blackburn, I can't quite make sense of, but I think he's fine. I think he's pretty good. I think he's probably like I could see him being Ranger Suarez-esque moving forward. You know, after we talked about how little we like Ranger Suarez, that may not be particularly interesting, but, you know, he's going to get a lot of ground balls. He's going to generate weak contact. So, I don't know. I feel like Paul Blackburn's probably a a reasonable-ish streamer. All right, let's take a look at some hitting leftovers. Joey Votto showing some signs of life. He went two for three with a triple and his second home run of the season. Kind of wish that he could just face Kyle Hendricks every day. That would be great. Bryce Harper went four for five, is now batting 318 with an OPS over 1,000, and that's with a partially torn UCL. The guy is just a freak. Juan Soto went 0 for three. He's now batting 236. Probably have to have that conversation soon. CJ Crone went two for five with his 12th home run. Francisco Lindor went two for four with his ninth homer. He's coming back to life over his last seven games. 345 batting average, two homers, one steal, 11 RBI for Francisco Lindor. Adley Rutschman had his first of many multi-hit games to come in his career. And Marcus Semien, we put the reverse jinx on him yesterday on the podcast. Solid game. We'll take it two for three with a triple and his fourth stolen base of the season. So I, I just have to go back real quick. Okay. What conversation do we have to about, have about Juan Soto? Well, there's this one guy that emails us every time. Yeah, like, no, I get that. <laughs> but like, what conversation do we actually have to have about it? Like, what what do you think is higher right now? Juan Soto's uh, OPS on May 26th, 2022. Or Juan Soto's OPS on May 26, 2021? Mm-hmm. I'm going to say it was higher last year based on the way you're asking this question. It is currently higher. Now his batting average is lower. 236 batting average. That's not what you want to see from Juan Soto. But there is nothing to be concerned about with Juan Soto. All right. I mean, that's all the conversation we needed, Chris. That's it. Just... It's- there's nothing to be concerned about. His line drive rate is down a little bit. His infield fly ball rate is... I mean, these are things yeah, that those, I, those I things think will... Those things will fluctuate better. from time to time. But yes. yeah, like he's... It's Juan Soto. He's, he's... Like... They're already starting to work on his bust for Cooperstown. Like, <laughs> he's 24 years old. He's fine. Well, Chris, last question on Soto. How good is he going to look in pinstripes? <laughs> um... I don't think the, the the Marlins, they only wear those like once or twice a year. Oh, I like that. It's a nice little throwback. Hopefully no one's uh, listening at the 103 mark because they're going to hate me for that one. The call to the bullpen for the Minnesota Twins. Emilio Pagan entered. Well, in- actually, no. I, well, here. <laughs> Who looks better? Juan Soto in pinstripes or um, Aaron Judge in blue and orange? Oh, stop it, Chris. Steve Cohen already said that he is not going to sign Aaron Judge, so we have to take his word for it, right? 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 What? 
What? <laughs> Call to the bullpen. For the Twins, Emilio Pagan entered in the eighth inning of a one-run game. He gave up a game-tying homer. For the Nationals, Tamer, Tanner Rainey gave up a hit and walk in a one-run game, but converted his fourth save of the season. Oakland A's, Danny Jimenez, clean ninth inning for his tenth save. For the Brewers, Devin Williams picked up his fourth save, second in two days, filling in for Josh Hader. Now these two are fun. The Reds, in a 4-2 game, we got Tony Santian in the 6th, Alexis Diaz in the 7th, Art Warren in the 8th, and then that left Hunter Strickland in the ninth. Gave up a run, converted his first save. He's not very good. For Tampa Bay, he went... Uh, he, he who, who am I talking about? In a 5-3 game, we got Jason Adam in the 6th inning, Matt Whistler in the 7th, J.P. Fireisen in the 8th, and Colin Poche in the ninth. He gave up a run, converted the save. Where is Brooks Raley? I don't know. Should have been available. Last time he pitched was on Sunday. Endless parade of anonymous, super effective relievers is what makes the the Rays (laughs) just so frustrating. Seriously. Whereas the the Reds have an endless array of anonymous, mediocre relievers. Oh, I, I think we can confidently go lower than mediocre, Chris. I was trying to be nice. All right. For the Yankees, Clay Holmes gave up two hits in the ninth, but picked up his fifth save. For the Astros, Ryan Presley got his seventh save. And for the White Sox, Liam Hendricks walked two, but recorded the final four outs for his 14th save of the season. To stream or not to stream, let's start with Thursday. Justin Steele at the Reds. Daniel Lynch at the Twins. Michael Walker at the White Sox. Ryan Yarbrough versus the Yankees. Herman Marquez at the Nationals. And Mitch White at the Diamondbacks. He pitches for the Dodgers, in case you didn't know. Uh, I think Marquez would be my favorite streamer of this group. I like um, Justin Steele. Yeah, the strikeouts the last couple of starts have been very impressive, and it's a good matchup. So, sure, he's fine as a number two. The Reds have the second lowest WOBA against left-handed pitching this season. Let's there do it. Go. Justin Steele. Friday, we've got Jeffrey Springs versus the Yankees. Austin Gomber at the Nationals. Alex Fajardo versus Cleveland. Zach Eflin at the Mets. Brad Keller at the Twins. Bailey Ober versus the Royals. Jose Quintana at the Padres. And Cole Irvin versus the Rangers. Um, Yeah, I think Ober, Eflin. And I wouldn't have said Springs, but with, their, with the Yankees' injuries... I agree with this. I, I could see that being a very good matchup. So, yeah, I'll go... Ober, Eflin, and Springs with Eflin third. I also don't mind Alex Fajardo versus Cleveland and Austin Gomber at the Nationals. Mm -hmm. Don't mind those. Friday, good day for streaming. We're going to wrap there. For Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. 